Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Betty, for reading the article uh, on spirituality, Article 18, this morning. And thanks to Deb for reading the scripture passage that I chose for this morning. Today, the topic is life in the spirit, or spirituality, which is the more common term nowadays. Uh, the word spirituality is actually a relatively recent word, both in the church and also in society. It didn't come into regular usage in the English language until 1932, believe it or not, with the publication of the Catholic Dictionary of Spirituality. And Protestants didn't pick up on the term until the late 60s. I look back at the older version of our Confession of Faith, the 1963 one, which preceded this current version, and the word spirituality does not appear at all there. It shows up for the first time um, in this confession, 1995. So what does the word mean? What do you think of when you hear this word spirituality? I'm guessing it has probably positive connotations. Um, nowadays, uh, with organized religion on the decline, spirituality has become quite popular. Uh, it seems to refer mostly uh, to the personal path, to the individual's search for meaning and authenticity, and not necessarily in connection with traditional religious beliefs and practices. Uh, people are free to pick and choose from all sorts of sources for their own spirituality. And we know there's lots of people who would say they're interested in spirituality, but not religion. They're not religious or churchgoers. Um, and there's some of this that we, as churchgoers, may even relate to. I do, I know, uh, to some degree. Um, this, however, this definition of spirituality is not what's described in our confession of faith. Um, it's not so individualistic, nor is it so eclectic. In Article 18, spirituality is, is tied very closely to the Bible and to Anabaptist tradition. It's closely linked with discipleship, which our guest speaker, Norm Dick, was speaking about last week. It's not so much about personal meaning as it is about obedience and following Christ. Quote, in loving and knowing God, we experience communion with God and allow more and more of our life to be conformed to the way of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. We yield ourselves to God, letting the Holy Spirit mold us into the image of Christ. So spirituality in the confession is about knowing and following Jesus, living by his example, being molded into his image. I don't know about you, but when I read the article, um, it felt a bit heavy to me. And I felt this way too with the article on discipleship last week. It all feels so serious like such a demanding calling. Uh, here are some of the words that, that caught my attention in Article 18. Being molded into the image of Christ, growing up, bearing fruit, 
keeping in step. The outward behavior must conform to the inner faith, training in godliness, putting ourselves more completely into the hands of God. The expectations are high, and they seem to come through a little more forcefully than the freedom and the grace. At least, it has that effect on me. And I suppose my own spirituality or spiritual journey has been about looking for more of the grace and the freedom in life with God. And I acknowledge it's partly a personality thing, perhaps. Um, I'm a first child in my family. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a number one. And this means I'm generally inclined toward duty and responsibility. Um, and I seem to need a mitigating influence. From an early age, growing up in the Mennonite Church, I had the sense of God being up there somewhere and having an agenda, needing helpers. The way I understood the faith as a young person was, well, God, first of all, like he had this job. First of all, he sent the prophets. And finally, when all else failed, he sent his only son, Jesus, to do his work. And Jesus had a tough time with it. They actually opposed him and killed him. He did rise again, but he's gone somewhere. He's up at the right hand of the Father, <clears throat> not able to do a whole lot up there. And so God needs more helpers, more people willing to be just like Jesus and to do just what Jesus did. And judging from what happened to Jesus, it's not going to be easy. Well, this is sort of my early explanation of the Christian faith, and I, I still hear echoes of it in the confession article. I would say my spirituality started to change. I mean, these things always happen. You know, you can't point to just one time, but I, there are markers. And one marker for me was um, our time in Colombia in the early 1990s. Um, we were recent seminary graduates without much pastoral experience. And we landed in this foreign place without a lot of support or orientation. We worked with a small congregation in a very poor neighborhood of the capital city, Bogota. So I came fresh out of seminary with some knowledge about Anabaptist history, theology, Bible, but it didn't take me very long to discover that the people I was with were not all that interested in these kinds of teachings. They were interested in receiving some sort of presence or power, um, deliverance from very real struggles, um, from poverty, from you know, domestic abuse, um, and a whole number of things. And I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to offer them. I found myself severely lacking in spiritual resources. 
And so when I got home, tired and disillusioned, I signed up for a retreat at Loyola House, uh, the Jesuit retreat center in Guelph. I met with a spiritual director there and she offered me a diagnosis. She said I had a case of spiritual poverty and that it was a gift. Well, this was new language for me, spiritual poverty, a gift. So it was about then and whole through this process that I really started cluing into the fact that Christian faith and discipleship is not just about duty and obedience and that it takes more than willpower and head knowledge of Bible and ideas. It's not just a matter of signing up as God's helper or servant. It's actually about becoming a friend of God. It's actually about experiencing and knowing joy and love and acceptance and friendship. The, uh, the passage um, I was drawn to came from John 15, which was read this morning, when Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants or just helpers because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. I call you friends because I've made known to you, I've shared with you everything that I've heard from God. And you didn't choose me, I chose you. So my spirituality over the years has evolved to look for friendship with God, a sense of abiding, a sense of grounding and a freedom and a liberation, I suppose, that comes from that. And I suppose I have found these things probably more in the Catholic contemplative tradition than I have through Anabaptism. Um, it's always struck me that we Mennonites are very good about talking about what we should be doing as Christians. We all know very well that being a Christian is about how we behave. It's not just about believing certain things. It's not just about going to church. It's about living a transformed life, being Christ-like. But we don't seem to talk as much about how to do this or about the fact that many times we're not really doing it all that well. It seems to me that we, we become accustomed to talking more about the shoulds than the hows. You know, how does one find the power to take up one's cross and be countercultural? Where does one find the strength to put one's own agenda for personal happiness second? You know, be willing to sacrifice for the gospel. Um, even lay down one's life if it comes to that. That's awfully daunting. So that's been the question that's concerned me over the years and still continues to concern me. Um, how do we follow Jesus? Where do we, get, where do we get the power? It's an ongoing question, I, but I don't think it's really possible to live this transformed life until we know at a very deep level that we're loved and accepted. 
It has to involve, as I've been saying, a lot more than head knowledge or a sense of, well, we really should be doing this. Um, we really have to stop shoulding on ourselves. It's like an article that I saw recently in the KW Record. A sociologist had done a study on the effectiveness of workplace equity and diversity workshops, including anti-racism training. The conclusions were that these workshops are quite ineffective at changing people's actual attitudes and behaviors. Just knowing what one is supposed to think um, just knowing what one is, how one is supposed to act doesn't help a person actually do it. The author found that when people actually change, it's because of personal contact with someone who is different than they are, different in race, different in class, um, different in sexual orientation. People change when they develop actual friendships with people who are different than them, when they actually become engaged personally. We need contact in order to change. And I believe this contact is also at the heart of Christian life and spirituality. Spirituality is about seeking and finding that personal contact and then and then living out of it, letting it be the fountain of, out of which we think and act. And so how, how do we do this? And how, how if someone's asking how to, how to establish this contact, what would you say to them? Well, it's something I'd, I'd invite us to think about this week. Um, is it something that makes sense to you? Is there a way in your own Christian life that you seek and find this contact with the divine? And in this, what are some of the questions you have? What are some of the obstacles we face? Well, this is a conversation I would love to continue and there'll be lots of opportunity for it. So that concludes the uh, homily for this morning. Um, until next time. Amen.